As you prepare for retirement, you'll be faced with many important choices. We want you to make the right ones. Welcome to Financial Choices Matter with Charles Scott. Charles is an accredited investment fiduciary. He's well-equipped to help you make sound financial decisions. We want you to experience a meaningful retirement. On our podcast, we believe financial choices matter. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another exciting edition of Financial Choices Matter with the one and only Charles Scott. What's up, buddy? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I thought that's like the old Sony commercial it used to be Sony, the one and only. Uh huh. Yeah. Long time ago. I always wanted them to say Sony, the one and only. But they wouldn't, do <laughs> they wouldn't go for it. Huh? Oh, You've been, you been doing OK since last time I talked to you? If I were any better, I'd have to be twins. Oh, nice. I don't know if we could yeah, handle twins. That would be. Uh, no, trust me. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> wants to have two of me. Uh, certainly not my wife. <laughs> She's like, I can it'd be too much. I have well, to deal yeah. with one. Yeah. If I saw you coming around the corner, it'd be twice a second time. And you're like, oh, no. <laughs> Yeah, really. What have I done? <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Well, thanks for tuning into our program, folks. We talk about investing, finance, and retirement with Charles. He's a fiduciary advisor at Peloton Capital Management. 480-513-1830 is the phone number. If you would like to call him and say, hey, what's up with this or that? You got some questions about your own retirement plan. That's how you reach out to him. 480-513-1830, your number to call. And Charles, we're going to open it up with a little financial dictionary this week here on the show. And that's where I feel like I'm Mr. Rogers, but I'm going to give you the word of the day or the term of the day or whatever and let you give us a quick breakdown. So here is our financial dictionary. What is tax loss harvesting? Cool. It's got nothing to do with growing crops. Okay. Just in case. You, well, you, can't, you can't grow taxes? <laughs> no. Oh, oh, yeah. The government does a really good job of that. But let's let's whack it away. Let's okay. whack at it. You hear a lot more about tax loss harvesting in your portfolio as you get towards the end of the year, because what they're looking at is, have you do you have an investment that's lost money this year or from the time that you bought it? So that if you sell it, you're going to be able to take a capital loss. And you could take that loss and potentially use it to offset a capital gain that you might have incurred also during the course of the year. So, and it ends up being a dollar for dollar loss and gain offset. So, a math example would be I sold something and made $5,000 on it this year, and I have something that is a loss right now of $5,000. So, if I sell it too, then those $5,000 of one gain, one loss offset each other. And so it gets talked about a lot at the end of the year. And I'm going to give you a couple of examples of companies, for example, that had, that have had not a very good year. And so what you get is people talking about, well, we have this in your portfolio and it hasn't done well. So let's sell it, get a loss, take a loss. And then it, we can use it up this year and or we can carry that loss forward into the future to be able to do something similar in, gotcha. in future years. Okay. So here's, and here's a couple of, of companies that are well-known companies. There were a whole bunch of them on this list that I hadn't even heard of some of them. The Gap. These were numbers from mid to late November. So they may have changed it as we got through the end of the year. The gap was down 37%. Macy's was down 48%. So I mean, my question would be, why the heck do you own them and when they've done that? But that's right. a whole different story. That's sure. got nothing to do with the topic. That's another show. Trip, yeah. TripAdvisor was down almost 50%. Occidental Petroleum was down 37%. So you sell those, you take that loss, you can turn around and buy something similar if you like that industry. Or you could buy a mutual fund that, that covers that whole industry or an exchange-traded fund, but you're able to capture a tax advantage. You are able to capture a loss and use that to offset gains. And so it's, it's a prudent idea. Most people, if we're going to do it, we're going to do it during the course of the year for clients, just because if you've got something that hasn't worked, 
why not sell it? Why why hope that it goes up if it hasn't and you had a predetermined price if it didn't work that you were going to get out of it anyway? So, you know, gotcha. that's sort of the way. But that's that's the tax loss harvesting thing. It does give you a tax advantage. It lets you offset gains to some degree or another, just depending on the timing of it. So it's an idea worth worth looking into and be and paying attention to. So, you know, we look at stuff and there's a handful of clients that have things that they said, I want to buy this and it and we have and it's like, you know, I'll get back to them and say, hey, this is not done well. Do you want to get out of it now? Take a loss and, you know, move forward. It only works in a taxable account. So it doesn't make any difference in your IRA because right. there's no tax implications sure. at all anyway. Yeah. But it certainly makes a difference in a taxable account. So okay. worth, worth paying attention to. And that's a long explanation of tax loss harvest. Well, it's certainly worth asking your advisor about, and as Charles said, worth paying attention to. And that's our financial dictionary for uh, this week here on the podcast. And, uh yeah, I mean, like I said, you just reach out and have a conversation if you need to. Charles is available for you, so let him know, and you can talk a little bit more about how tax loss harvesting harvesting might uh, benefit you. All right, so let's hit our main topic this week, Charles, and that is the ins and outs of mutual funds. Cool. All right, so mutual funds, long, 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 been a very popular way for people to invest, but is that landscape changing? Well, let's discuss that a little bit. So let me ask you, off the top of your head, just ballpark it for us, what percentage of clients uh, own mutual funds? funds in one form or fashion when they first come in and see you uh let's say you're meeting with somebody new or whatever the case might be almost everybody almost everybody mutual funds have been the simple investment choice for uh, decades yeah uh first, I, i'll give i'll give you a brief history and the only reason i say this is because mfs massachusetts financial services started the first mutual fund in america in 1924 in the Late to mid eighties, uh, mid to late eighties, um, I was the regional sales manager for them up in the Seattle area, which was really interesting because I learned a whole gob about mutual funds. Okay. And it's just you know, it's a diversified portfolio. Somebody professionally manages it. You own a bunch of stuff, and you own a little percentage of the fund. So everybody's got one. Your four hundred one k is loaded with them. right, exactly. You no, know, and they've been a they've been a good idea. Conceptually, they're a very good idea. There's some positives and some negatives. Well, we're going to we'll talk about some that. of those. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So then the landscape is changing on mutual funds. So we're going to get to that in a second, too. So first off, let's talk about the expense ratios, because that's a term that I think people need to know what it is and they need to understand uh, what it is. How much does it cost the, the fund to run the fund? What are the internal costs of buying, selling, trading, you know, custodying? All of those kinds of things go into the internal costs, the expense ratios of the funds. My opinion, candidly, is people make too big a deal about it. Oh, okay. Uh, Van, and, I, and I will blame or credit, depending on how you want to look at it, Vanguard for the whole thing. They have very inexpensive funds from an expense point of view. However, mutual funds returns are based on net of all fees and expenses. So if I have a fund that has a gross return of 10% and and 2% of expenses, I get 8%, right? That's mm-hmm. the math. Right. If I have a mutual fund that has an 8% gross return, but only a half a percent of expenses, I'm going to get a 7.5% rate of return. Which gotcha. would you rather have, 75 or 8? Right. Okay. Okay. Who cares how much it costs? Okay. Now, I'm following you. All, all things being equal, a, a very expensive fund is probably going to underperform a very inexpensive fund. But that's the, exp- the internal expense nets itself out before you ever see what the return is for the year. Because they basically take it out every day. Right. Okay. And you never see it. Right. So, you know, what you get is what you get net of all fees and expenses. 
All right, so that's expense ratios. Let's do a couple other ones here. Now, a lot of times we will hear the term loaded, uh, a loaded mutual fund, and I don't think that meant that they had a good time at the bar. Uh, <laughs> so uh, what's a front load? So basically the three that you know I want you to kind of explain for folks is front loaded, back loaded, and no load. Yep. Front load is you pay a commission in the beginning when you buy the fund. If it's a 5% commission front load, then you put a dollar in and 95 cents goes to work and 5% goes to pay the commission on the fund. Sometimes a class A, right? Pardon? Sometimes called a class A. Yeah. Class A funds. That's what it would be. If you can say, I've all got a little letter basically after the name of the fund, a back end loaded fund, put a dollar in and somebody gets paid a commission right now. The dollar goes to work in the fund. But if you get out within let's say five years, and that's just an example, then you will have a back-end sales charge. That's a back-end loaded fund. The fund is recouping the commission they paid in the beginning compared to in the beginning of an A-rated, and these are B shares. So a front-end loaded fund, the commission comes out right away and it's done, you're over with it. And then there's a no-load fund, which doesn't charge a commission because there's no broker selling it to you. Gotcha. So okay. they will not have a, basically, they will not have any kind of a letter after their, after their name. All right. There's a, a shares, B shares. Those are the two prevalent ones. Okay, there you go. So that's the loaded term, and that's what those mean. And, of course, we talked about expense ratios. Now, what are some tax issues that mutual funds can create for us? Oh, they are in, a, in an IRA or a 401k or anything. There are no tax issues because all of that stuff is tax. It's all a deferred account, tax deferred account. So it's irrelevant. In a taxable account, mutual funds are astonishingly tax inefficient. They can make a mess of your, especially when you come to the end of the year and they start to spit out capital gains, short-term capital gains, long-term capital gains, and you know it, and you and you just don't know what you don't know what it's going to be. So you're sometimes hit with something that you're not expecting. And depending on when you buy a fund, and I'm making this too complicated, I apologize. But sometimes with mutual funds, I'm not necessarily a big fan of them for some of these reasons, especially in a taxable account. So they're they're very tax inefficient. And so you really have to pay attention. And the other thing is, if you have a mutual fund and you're reinvesting the capital gains and the dividends in that fund in a taxable account, you got to think about it this way. I'm paying the tax on it today because you get a 1099 and I'm reinvesting it in more shares so that I can pay more tax on that, those same dollars next year. Hmm, okay. Why, why do you, you want to do that? Right. You're, you're getting double tax and it's your own fault. If you just take the capital gain and you don't reinvest, you've still got the money. You're going to pay tax on it now, but if you do something else with it, you may not have that doubling up effect in future years. So taxes are a kind of an odd thing in, inside a mutual fund. They can't absorb all those taxes. They have to pass them out to you. They can't just roll them forward into the future years like you can if you own something yourself, an individual stock yourself. So they're, gotcha. they're, they're a different animal. Okay. All right. And then our final bit here on the ins and outs of mutual funds, Charles, is, you know, obviously ETFs and things of that nature. Uh, and as I mentioned earlier, the landscape is changing for mutual funds. They do seem to be getting less and less. Should they be eliminated? And do you, what do you think? And how often, if at all, do you incorporate those into clients' portfolios? No, nah, you don't want to, you don't, you don't need to get rid of them. Okay. Um, they are losing they serve a place. They truly do. You just need to understand how what the place is and how they fit into somebody's overall portfolio. Gotcha. They are losing ground from a market share point of view to exchange traded funds because exchange traded funds are significantly more tax efficient and they're more transparent. So you have a better sense of what's actually going on in them. 
But we do use mutual funds when it's appropriate in a client account. It just depends on what we're looking for. So, you know, there are sometimes they can do things that you don't have an exchange traded fund or an individual securities. So, yeah, they have their place. Absolutely. It's, we don't emphasize them. And there's a lot of people out here that do nothing but mutual funds. That's fine. That's their choice. They work when they work, and but they're, they're not the be-all and end-all that they used to be because there didn't used to be any other game in town other than just owning right. individual securities. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, folks, well, that's our ins and outs of mutual funds. If you've got some questions about your mutual funds that you may have, and more than likely you probably do, uh, give Charles a call at 480-513-1830 and check him out online at pelotoncapital.com. Of course, while you're there, hit the uh, podcast page. You can subscribe to us. You can listen to us on past episodes, future episodes coming out, uh, whether it's on podcast. Podbean or Apple Podcasts or Google or Spotify, uh, we certainly would appreciate uh, you know giving us a uh, you know subscribing to us, and then of course also share it with someone who may benefit from the information as well, especially here uh, in the Scottsdale area where Charles is a fiduciary advisor at Peloton Capital Management. And you can also send an email question into the show if you'd like. And that's what we've got as we wrap up from confused. <laughs> <laughs> is that Mr. Confused or I'm, Mrs. Confused? I don't know. It's, I don't know. I, it's Confused in Scottsdale. And so <laughs> Confused says, I'm a little overwhelmed by how many accounts we have. We've moved around a lot and had different jobs through the years. I think between my wife and I. So there it's Mr. Confused. <laughs> That's right. Uh, uh, we have six 401ks, three IRAs, two Roth IRAs, two small pensions, a 403B, and then some individual stocks and whatnot, and a partridge in a pear tree, apparently. Yeah. Uh, so it's getting hard to manage all this stuff, and I'm not even really sure you know, what we're invested in in a lot of these accounts. <laughs> how much, basically, this is the question, how much do you think yeah. we can consolidate this, and how does it all work? I feel sorry for you. <laughs> Confused. I, really I mean, it do. sounds like they got a lot of it's, stuff, but you know. Oh, yeah. I know. It's amazing to us how many people come in with something just like this. Not quite this diverse. Right. Let's put it that That's way. That's a good term. But no, yeah, it's they have the same thing. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I, I, we always ask them, how do you like getting all those statements? It's like, I hate it. I said, then why do you do it? What do you mean? I said, why don't you just consolidate it? Put all the Roth accounts in a Roth. Put all the IRAs in an IRA. Consolidate them all. So you, you have an IRA. You, your wife has an IRA. You have a Roth. Your wife has a Roth. You can lump your 401ks, and I'm going to assume most of your 401ks were probably the traditional tax-deferred 401k. You can roll them into your IRAs. So you should end up with an IRA for each of you, a Roth IRA for each of you. And I don't know if you even need to have anything else. So it's like, make it simple. Seriously, make it simple, because this will change your life immensely. And people have never said, oh, whoa, I really liked it the other way. It was so right. much fun to get all this paper. <laughs> Save a tree. Uh -huh. Not the, not the case. The other yeah. thing that happens is what we call stock overlap. And that yeah, is very much funds, so, yeah. funds own the same stuff. Yeah. So, you Conf know. Confused probably has a whole bunch of Apple and doesn't even realize it. You know. Oh, or, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And the bigger the fund, the bigger the fund family from a dollars in it point of view, uh -huh. uh, they have to own all the big stuff. Yeah. Everybody always owns the same state. You could have, and we see this all the time, you could have. His portfolio, I'll, I'll bet you anything in these portfolios that every single one of them probably has the same dozen stocks and right. then some other stuff around the edges. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. And it's a lot yeah. of it's large cap usually. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I mean, that's what most people own the most of all the time. Right, all the time. So it's, there's a whole bunch of reasons to make it simple. The best reason all is it's just simpler, much easier to keep track of. And you can unoverlap. You can 
<laughs> Declutter. Add, add more. To, you can add truly more diversification because owning owning Apple in twelve different accounts, you still own Apple. Right. Is that is you know? Do you want to have that in every account, or do you want to have that be a reasonable percentage of your portfolio, but have something else instead well, of it? And, and Charles, I guess the I guess the part in there to think about too is so for exact example, if you've got a lot of overlap, a lot of the same things, usually large cap. Like so, for eighteen, the market what kind of overall was flat, right? For nineteen, yeah. large cap did pretty good, you know. Yeah. So, but I don't know if, if it, it did will really, next year or not. Right, but if it did really bad, you know, it's it's universal. So if it's going up, yeah, it's going up. But if it goes down, you're going down in all these same areas because you're not diversified. Yeah, and it, people think they're diversified, but right. there's there's another. I'll throw one more term out there, and we'll call it a day. And All that's right. correlation. Yep. Correlation is does something do act the same way for the same news? Okay. And it could be, you know, it doesn't matter what it is, but you will be you'll be astonished that the correlations of the things in your mutual funds, or you know, like you've got right now, you're going to have everything acting the same way when some economic or po- geopolitical event occurs, and All you right. don't think that's going to happen. But it does. Yeah, absolutely. So, All right. Well, there you go. Great show. Really informative. The ins and outs of mutual funds, as well as a fantastic uh, email from Confused. Uh, Confused. Definitely have a conversation. Call. Talk with an advisor. Uh, tell them you want to get together and consolidate some of this stuff. If you don't have one, definitely reach out to Charles, which hopefully is why you probably sent the email. And give him a call at 480-513-1830. That's the office line. 480-513-1830. And go to check him out at the website. Also, as well, at PelotonCapital.com. Um, subscribe to the podcast we'd appreciate it charles my friend have a great week or so and i will talk to you in a couple of weeks absolutely you too mark thanks a bunch no problem we'll see you next time here on financial choices matter with fiduciary advisor charles scott Financial planning and investment advisory services are provided by Peloton Capital Management Limited, a state-registered investment advisor. Past performance is not indicative of future results. No one should assume the information presented here serves as a receipt of or substitute for personalized individual advice provided by Peloton Capital Management. For more information, visit www.pelotoncapital.com.